Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the podcast. Um, I'm extremely excited to introduce a very special guest, uh, Cinder, also known as Cinder Spear on Instagram. Oh, you think I'm special? Yes, of course. I'm honored to be here. Um, I just want to start out with a question, and how long have you been in the Riordanverse? I think since I was in 7th or 6th grade. Mm-hmm. That's a long time ago. I started because I saw the movie on Cartoon Network, and my parents were like, hey, Greek mythology, you like that. <laughs> so they bought me the book. And then I read the book, and I watched the movie again, and was disgusted. <laughs> Isn't that how it all always goes? Um, yeah. <laughs> were you required to, to read Percy Jackson in school? No, that was pure pleasure reading. I I was required. I <laughs> I actually read it uh, in fifth grade, and then in sixth grade, The Lightning Thief was required for the state to be read. Oh, I wish. Um, actually, it's changed to Magnus Chase now. Oh, wow. So all the kids are reading Magnus Chase, and I'm like, what happened to Percy? I mean, that's cool, but, like, why? <laughs> Moving on up in the world. I mean, it's a good change. Um, so you, I had asked you what you if there was anything specific you wanted to talk about, uh, and you mentioned AUs. Uh, yes. For those of you who don't know, an AU is an alternate universe. Um... Are there any specific AUs? Um, there are lots of AUs regarding Percy Jackson. One of the most popular, I would say, is the Harry Potter AU. Yeah. <laughs> With the ultimate debate on what Hogwarts house is Percy Jackson in. <laughs> I mean, there's always going to be the debate. I mean, each character has their own qualities that fit in each of the houses. Yes, they're all very brave, they're all very smart, they're, they're all sort of ambitious, it's like hard to place them in just one house. Um, where, where do you place Percy? Uh, I'm gonna get yelled at for this, I can feel it. <laughs> Personally, I place her, Percy in Hufflepuff, mainly because of his fatal flaw of loyalty, which is basically the main Hufflepuff Hogwarts trait. I, I, I totally see that. I mean, I've never been hardcore in the debate, but I always placed him in Slytherin. I feel like part of it is because I am a Slytherin. <laughs> um, but I, I think the reason for me placing him there is because he's manipula- manipulative. Uh, excuse my lisp. <laughs> um, uh, and that happened in the House of Hades, where he manipulated Bob, uh, and he turned all dark AU, Percy. Oh, yes, the dark AU. <laughs> um, and I'm not saying, of course, I'm a Slytherin, and I'm not, like, evil or anything, and not every Slytherin's evil, and of course, uh, I'm not saying just because Percy went dark once, he's in Slytherin, I'm just saying... Those are qualities that Slytherins usually have. And, of course, he is very brave, and we know he's a little bit reckless, because Gryffindor. <laughs> yes. A lot of people put him in Gryffindor, and I totally agree with that also. It's not that I don't disagree with any of them, except maybe Ravenclaw, because he's very smart, but he's not... I don't know. <laughs> He's very smart when it comes to strategy and stuff. It's like one of my friends is incredibly smart when it comes to school classes. But when it comes to common sense, he falls a little short. <laughs> <laughs> Got the short end of the stick for the wand. <laughs> so that's how I feel with Percy. Um, so I feel that's the only reason I feel like he doesn't belong in Ravenclaw. But I'm totally fine with any of the other ones. <laughs> With almost every character, you could find a reason to put them in any house. I mean, Annabeth, most people would automatically go Ravenclaw because, oh, she's smart, she's a wise girl. But also, my grand plan is that I will be remembered. If that's not ambitious, I don't know what is. I personally place her in Gryffindor um, 
because Hermione in the series was supposed to be put in Ravenclaw, and she wasn't, even though she's uh, one of the smartest Gryffindors ever. Exactly. Uh, so why shouldn't Annabeth be? Yes, uh, she is extremely brave. I mean, the entire Mark of Athena, damn. <laughs> where where would you place, uh, I guess I'm, I want to move on to Hazel. Where would you place Hazel? Hazel? Hmm. That's a toughie. Um... I think maybe either Hufflepuff or Gryffindor. I feel the same way. Because one, she, like, tore down that entire cave to destroy the giant and save, and, but then again, she was risking her own life, and it cost her her life. But also, she didn't want to go to Elysium when she was judged because her mother wasn't being placed there. Mm -hmm. So she sacrificed herself to go to the fields. And that's pretty loyal, I would say, and dedic dedicated family, which is kind of a Hufflepuff trait. Mm -hmm. I could place her in any of them. Uh, I mean, the one I would I would place her in least is Slytherin, but I do see some Slytherin traits in her. I mean, I see traits in every single one of these characters for each of the houses. They're so complex. It's so 3D, so complex, it's hard to just place them in one trait. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I, I totally agree on the Gryffindor and Hufflepuff for the same reasons. Uh, a Huffledore. Yeah. A Gryffindor? <laughs> uh, a Gryffindor. And I, she, she can, she's incredibly sweet, um, and selfless and caring, but yeah, she's, she's definitely a hero in every single way, and she's so brave. Um, <laughs> I'm just gonna go right down the seven. What about Frank? Frank. Ooh, that's an interesting one. Hmm, let me think about that. Yeah, I think Frank's another difficult one for me. Um, I think because he's one of the most complex out of the seven. Uh, I mean, I can see a little Slytherin in there because he was trying so hard to be a child of Apollo with his arrows and such, and he's... But also, I see a lot of Gryffindor. Mm-hmm. You know, you just feel it in your gut. You can't really put a pinpoint on it, but I just feel that Gryffindor vibe from it. I think I feel the same how I feel with Hazel. I think for me it's between Hufflepuff and Gryffindor uh, for similar reasons because he's a sweet bean, but people put it... He's a soft boy. <laughs> people put it out black and white for him and Hazel and a lot of people, and it's not that way. Like, they're not just sweet. They're not just one thing. Um, Frank is one of the most powerful uh, and it's made clear with his stick of life. Yes. Uh, which is why I would place him in Gryffindor, because he's so dang powerful and brave, and he's just, he's a hero. And the fact that he trusted the, hit the stick that, that literally controlled his life with his friends, I think that's very trusting of him, which gives me Gryffindor and Hufflepuff side. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's true bravery for me right there. Yeah. I think he'd be one of the only ones to really pull that uh, Gryffindor sword out of the hat, you know what I mean? Yeah, like, if I had a stick that connected my life force, I would be afraid to leave my house. But there he is, slaying monsters, being a badass. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> um, next, I want to focus on Leo. Leo Valdez. I personally like to compare him to Fred and George. Um, oh, yes, that's a good comparison. He's, he's the same in the sense, like, he loves pranks, he loves jokes. 
but underneath, and I think this is how Fred and George are too, he, he is insecure and he uses the jokes to hide them. Mm -hmm. Um, Definitely. Which is why I always placed him in Gryffindor only for me. I can see that. And kind of Gryffindor, I kind of assigned elements to the different houses. And Ravenclaw probably being air, Slytherin being water, Hufflepuff being earth, and Gryffindor being fire. Just that connection in my brain with Leo and fire, obviously. Mm -hmm. That kind of automatically puts him in Gryffindor for me. Yeah. Uh, same here. I think it's, uh, especially the colors of the houses that, I don't know, colors, they mean a lot of representation. Yeah, symbolism. (laughs) Um, next is Jason. Jason Grace. Oh, wow. I kind of feel the same way I did about Hazel and Frank, because he's so brave. He is so incredibly brave, but he's also so loyal to his friends for reasons I will not disclose, because I know you have not read Trials of Apocalypse. Oh, and for those who haven't, um, on this podcast as a whole, we're just going to avoid the two more recent Trials of Apollo's books altogether. No spoilers! Yeah. Those those are far too recent to be talking about them, in my opinion. But if you know, wink, you know. I know. <laughs> um, but I, I always put Jason in Gryffindor, uh, because he and Percy are a lot alike, and they're compared a lot. But they do have those differences, and while I p- place Percy in Gryffindor, or not Gryffindor, in Slytherin, uh, because he's manipulative and such, I feel Jason is opposite. He, whether Percy realizes it or not, he does manipulate people um, when he's older, and Jason uh, has never once done that, that I have seen or pointed out. Not to mention, he's a very strong leader. I mean, traitor for, like, how many years? Exactly. Um, And Percy, of course, is a strong leader also, which is why he could be placed in Gryffindor. But imagine leading an entire army, which Percy did, but New Rome is full, like, filled to the brim with demigods. And the way New Rome runs is very different than the way Camp Half-Blood runs. Mm Mm-hmm. It, it's more like a, I would say it's more like a military-esque type thing. Whereas yes. Camp, ha- camp Applet is literally just like a summer camp with training here and there. To quote, Greeks, let's uh, fight stuff. <laughs> yeah, yes. <laughs> Versus actual Latin commands. <laughs> yes. Um... And before we move on from this AU, uh, Piper. Um, Piper? Ooh. Um, Piper's very interesting. Kind of hard to put my finger on it. I personally am between Ravenclaw and Slytherin. Yeah, I feel... Ravenclaw was the first thing to pop into my mind, but now that I think about it, I can't decide. Whether you should live or not. Sorry. Um, (laughs) I'm in a Gravity Falls mood, and that just kind of like, I don't know, it just happens. (laughs) Um, I think the reason why I put Piper in Slytherin is, or, or Ravenclaw for the same reason, is her charm speak is a big aspect of her life. And whether she means to or not, she is manipulative in that sense where she can't help it. But when she can, she can use it to her advantage for good or evil. Mm-hmm. Um, again, Slytherin isn't evil, but they are usually marked as such. Um, and th- they are manipulative. Um but it's also really smart to use those aspects of herself, which is why I want to put her in Ravenclaw also. Yes. Um, she knows 
how to use her abilities to her advantage. Yes. And that's both a Slytherin and Ravenclaw trait in my mind. Yes, and I think that's where it differs with Drew for me, because Drew has the same power. But I would just put her in Slytherin, because she uses it. Yeah, she uses it in a different way. She uses it in a different, completely different way. Yeah. There are motorcycles outside of my house. I'm so sorry. (laughs) May I bring up one more character before we leave this AU? Yes. Nico. Okay. People always are putting him in Slytherin just because Hades and that old Hercules movie is portraying him as evil, but that's the question. Surprisingly for me, I would put him in Hufflepuff. And that's not just because I'm trying to break the, quote, stereotype. It's because even though he's he isolates himself from people, he's kind on the inside, and he's selfless, and he puts everyone before himself. That's a very good point. Um, yeah, and I think that's why people put him in Slytherin. He wears black all the time. He puts up these walls. Um, Emo spicy boy. Yeah. <laughs> um... And and think that's why I put him in Hufflepuff, because of what's on the inside rather than what he portrays on the outside. It's what's on the inside that counts. Heck yeah. Um, <laughs> are there any other favorite AUs of yours? Um, I've recently gotten, well, I particularly like the dark AU and the di- seeing these different sides of the characters. Mm-hmm. And with some characters specifically, I see them as yandere's. (laughs) And one character who I specifically see, if one character was to turn evil and become a yandere, it would be Calypso. I never thought about that before. I thought you were going to say Piper, because Canon Piper... uh, does such a great job with that AU. Yes, Jasmine. (laughs) (laughs) And it makes perfect sense for Piper also, but now that you mention it, it does really connect to Calypso. I mean, she was left on the island for, what, 2,000, 3,000 years? Every man she's ever loved has left him. I mean, her. (laughs) It's okay. Uh, We know what you mean. Um... Uh, yeah, I mean, that isolation, that separation could really do a number on someone. Yeah. No, that's why I think in the Dark AU, Calypso would go completely wild. <laughs> uh, yeah, I agree. Um, for any any, sing- any boy that she happens to have even no remote crush on or attraction for, just yonder mode. <laughs> yes. Exactly. Um, another one, uh, and I, we mentioned it as uh, Piper, and I think that stems from the fact that Jason just woke up with amnesia, and all this time she thought they were together. Um, yeah. What if she turned I, bad because of that and just like went nuts? I feel like she would go against the gods in a way, but specifically Hera. Yes. Um, She would definitely have a vengeance, because she put this entire fantasy and past inside her mind, and then stripped it away and found out that none of it was real. I think a girl, any girl, would go a little bit nuts. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, Um, I believe so, too. And I really like seeing the TikToks that... Uh, Jasmine does. Shout out to our homegirl. Um, another one I want to bring up is obviously this one is kind of canon. It's Percy, uh, Dark Percy, because he kind of went a little, little nuts down in Tartarus with the goddess of misery. Yes, making her miserable. Uh, wow, power move. Yeah. Um, but he seriously, like, he's scared, he's scared Annabeth, he's scared his own girlfriend, who is never shaken by anything, at the power that he produced. 
yeah, it's kind of like in that moment, it just clicked in his mind just how much power he has and how he could use it to take manipulate even God. Yeah, I mean, imagine if Kronos had successfully gotten Percy on his side. We'd be done for. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> um, I don't want to talk too much about Percy. I, I mean, I love my boy, but he is given a lot of attention. Um, I want to move on to Hazel again. Uh, Z Sailor Moon Turtle has done a dark version of Hazel. Um, like what? What if she joined? What if she joined Gaia? What if she used her powers against her friends? It would be crazy. Yeah, it would, because she's, a, again, a very powerful demigod with her literally earth-shaking powers. <laughs> yeah, I mean, she could use her power of mist in so many ways. Just that alone could really, like, do some damage. Um, of course, her power over precious gems, uh, being the daughter of Pluto in general... Uh, it'll. It, I think it would be pretty crazy if, if Gaia successfully got Hazel on her side. Especially if she had used Hazel's mother as a bargaining chip. Yes. Because we all know Hazel would sacrifice herself for to save the world, but she also sacrificed her mother. Mm-hmm. But if she still had her mother with her... But at that price of working with Gaia, imagine. Yeah. Um, I will say, those of you listening who don't know Sailor Moon Turtle, go check out her AU, go check out her Instagram. She's got some pretty good uh, Hazel content. So, and also Our main Hazel. what? The main Hazel. The main Hazel. Uh, yeah, there aren't that many Hazels out in the world, and, uh, she and, uh, the Mist Witch and a couple others give some really good love to Hazel. Yeah, I love the Mist Witch. Uh, <laughs> um, and also go check out Jasmine Cannon Piper for some more Dark AU stuff. Um, are there any other characters you want to touch on for that? Hmm. Um, I don't think so. I mean, there has been a lot of fan art that I've seen of Leo going dark. Oh, yeah. Especially if he couldn't get Calypso off her island in my vision. I think that would kind of be his breaking point. Oh, he'd be ripped apart. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, are there any other AUs that you follow? Hmm. Let's think. There, um, there are so many. Yes, there are so, so many. It's, like, hard to think of all of them at once. Uh, do you have any that you can think of? I keep thinking, I don't know. What if, I mean, it, it's a what if, it's not really an AU, but what if Hera or Juno, whatever the heck you want to call her, never switched Percy and Jason. Oh, yeah, and I've heard of another one. What if she switched Reyna and Annabeth instead? I, I feel like if she switched Reyna and Annabeth, obviously the prophecy would still go into effect, but it'd be pretty different, at least to begin with. I mean, they are both, like, main leaders of their camps. Like, yeah. they're both such strong, powerful women leaders. Um, yeah, um, and for them to, I don't, I don't want to say abandon, but that's how it would feel for the camps, for their pretty much leaders. I mean, that's how they felt with Jason and Percy also. Um, but I feel like it'd be different in a weird sense for these two to go 
They'd be like, where did they go? It, I mean, Annabeth's been there, and Rain has been there. They've been there longer than Jason and Percy. And it, I feel like it'd be like the world is crashing down for the campers if they left. Not to mention, imagine Percy looking for Annabeth instead of Annabeth looking for Percy. We all know how intense Annabeth was counting the days that Percy had gone missing. Mm-hmm. Imagine imagining Percy feeling those same feelings is just wow. Yeah, that's not something you really see him feel ever, really. Um, yeah. And we don't know too much about Raina or Jason, so we can't exactly pinpoint how they would feel. Uh, we don't know, really, if Jason had feelings back for Raina. I feel like if we knew for sure, I mean, let's say he did, um, it would be the same way. Uh, but he couldn't leave camp, I don't think, because Raina never left camp to look for Jason. Because she, yeah. she had an army to lead. Yeah, and Jason would have to take on that role while feeling all the hardships without her by his side. Mm -hmm. um, and with this alternate universe, Jason would have never had those fake memories with Piper. He probably never would have met Piper until much later. Yes. Which so, even, would he have feelings for Reyna? I mean, probably. No, no spoilers, obviously, but in a general term, that could also, him not meeting Piper until much later, could definitely affect what happened in the Burning Maze. Oh, yes. Uh, it would kind of affect everything in a weird way. Um, the entire timeline would kind of change. Yeah. Um, but whereas... If Juno never switched Percy and Jason, or anyone, for that matter, uh, the prophecy, I mean, Gaia would have, wait, she would have woken up and the world would be doomed. Mm -hmm. Um, either that or, I mean, the Romans knew about the prophecy way before the Greeks. I feel like maybe Reyna would have sent off just some random seven to try to, to try at least. Yeah. Um, I don't know. The Greeks, they, they never knew when exactly it was supposed to happen. They just got it uh, through Rachel, which which is odd because, obviously, you always had the great prophecy about Luke. Um, but why didn't the Oracle ever speak about the other one? I feel like Rachel and Octavian are such interesting characters with their powers. Mm-hmm. Because Octavian, he seems to have the prophecies much sooner, and New Roma has the prophecies much sooner, but he's so... What's the word? Evil? <laughs> um, I don't know if I want to call him evil, because he was never necessarily on the wrong side, quote. Yeah, but he did kind of create his own side of <laughs> yeah. the whole, let's destroy those Greeks. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, he's a very interesting character, and I don't want to dub him necessarily as evil, but he wasn't yeah. a good person either. Yeah, I mean, that catapult, and I, am I right? <laughs> Uh, uh, it kind of makes you wonder how the oracles are different. How the oracle in New Rome versus the oracle at Camp Halfwood, how how different they are, and why they're so different. Um, there's so many variables that go into it. Also, like, uh, did the Romans know about Luke's prophecy, or was that just a Greek thing? I mean, Jason did defeat the Titan that was in California. Yeah, I mean, that's also a factor, but did they know about the entire, the entire thing? Yeah, I mean, they didn't know about Camp Half-Blood until recently, didn't they? Yeah. Like, um. after all of the, the tightenings, all of that, <laughs> they didn't 
No, the tightening. Yes. <laughs> Tight, too. The tightening. <laughs> um, they didn't know until the Argo, too, just pulled up into your new room, like, what's up, people? Yeah, they were like, um, okay. Like, they didn't know they were coming until Percy got that message from Tyson. And he was like, hey, they're gonna be here in, like, uh, five minutes, so... Look out. Get ready. <laughs> Here they come! And then the classic judo flip. <laughs> Man. Um, I mean, another variable is the oracle on the Greek side was a mummy for several years. I mean, may- maybe that has something to do with it. Her Her ability to produce prophecies well or normally, how she normally would. I mean, when Rachel became the oracle, immediately there was that new prophecy. Yeah, but all prophecies later, it took a while, didn't it? Yeah. So And I, then later in other books, she, like, lost her power completely. Mm-hmm. Which, it, I think the whole oracle not receiving messages until five minutes before the quest starts <laughs> thing. I feel like that's kind of the gods' fault. Yes. Which mainly I'm adding Apollo. Um, <laughs> we know that until the end of the Heroes of Olympus, he didn't really care, I guess. Mm-hmm. And then he went down to Earth in Trials of Apollo, and the rest is who knows what, because I haven't read the newest book. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I haven't read any of the books, but I do try to keep up to date about what happens, and I don't ask for too much information just in case I end up because I do keep trying to read the series. If for some reason something changes in my brain that says you're suddenly super interested in this, I ask for no spoilers, um, for the most part, unless I'm genuinely, unless I genuinely want to know, uh, and I, I, so I've been closing myself off about those things, anything to do with Magnus Chase, anything to do with the Trials of Apollo or the Kane Chronicles, I ask for no spoilers, just in case. (laughs) Just in case that I finally get into it. (laughs) And I, I, and I mentioned this in the last episode, I really do keep trying. We have them, we have all the books at our public library here in my town. And I keep trying and I keep trying because I know how loved they are, but for some reason, and, and maybe it's, it's, it's just my childhood nostalgia dis- disappearing. I don't, I don't know. Maybe it's because I'm getting older. I'm not sure. It kind of makes you wonder... When and if Rick will stop. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, he made so much money and such an amazing world out of these books. He's not doing it just for the money because the books keep getting better and better and they keep taking us into this beautiful storyline and world. It's not just for the money, it's for the fans. Yeah. He's created such, I mean, I know Jasmine and I talked about this last time, the the fan base was kind of toxic to begin with, but as it kept developing and the more he published books, the kinder it got and the more amazing it became. Um, So he's really created something amazing. Uh, I I don't know. I'm not entirely sure why I can't get into it, but I I pray that one day I can, because I I really want to read these books, but... I don't want to read them if I'm not 100% enjoying them. And until I 100% enjoy what I'm reading, I, I'm, I'm not going to read them. It, does that make any sense? That makes total sense. But if any listeners are on the fence about reading it, I've read most of the books. I've read all Magnus Chase. I've read most of Trials of Apollo. I recommend it. Yeah. And that may not mean much coming from a random girl on the internet, but <laughs> I recommend it. <laughs> I mean, I'm not saying I don't recommend it. I, One of my friends, she read Percy Jackson, of course. She's in my grade. Uh, we read it in the sixth grade. But her brother 
before he started reading Percy Jackson, he actually found the Kane Chronicles first. And he read the Kane Chronicles, and he loved the Kane Chronicles. And I, like, I know how much they mean, and I'm not saying I don't recommend them, because I know how wonderful they are. I just... I feel like maybe part of it is I haven't had a chance to really sit down and read a good book in so long and not feel stressed or like I need to read this. I think maybe part of it is so many people in the fandom love it so much and which is amazing. But I feel I feel pressured in a weird way that I have to read it. I have to know these things. We're all growing up so fast. We don't have time to sit down and read a good book anymore. Um, and I'm trying, I'm, I'm actually rereading this series right now. I reread Percy Jackson recently. I'm rereading oh. Peers of Olympus right now, and I'm going to move on to, I think, The Trials of Apollo next. I'm going to stick with the Greek stuff first. Move on to yeah. Norse, and then move on to Egyptian. Because I want, for anyone who guests on here, I want to, to be 100% aware of what the books are like. So I don't have to exclude anything. So I'm I'm really trying to go through it right now, and hopefully the, that love will be reignited for me. I gotta ask, while you're rereading, because I don't reread books unless I absolutely have to, just because that's just me, but while you're rereading, have you noticed you see anything differently now that you're older and grown up? I mean, I, I certainly do. I... Every single time you reread a book, you see something or you notice something that you have never noticed before. And every time I reread these books, I'm like, oh my gods, I didn't even notice that. Or that's something new I didn't even realize back then. Um, so that's why I love rereading books. Um, and it's interesting because the older I get, the more I realize how deep some of these things are. And how in-depth these characters go. And so many different things like Jasmine pointed out last time Piper was a little shocked to find out she was going to camp Half-Blood because she thought it was a joke against her Cherokee origins um and it's it just it, I realize things now I'm older how important and how deep they actually are especially with representation like as you're getting older you realize how important representation is in books and TV and movies and just seeing all these new things brought into books it's that children are reading and it, it brings them into a new awareness that hey people are like this or hey I, people, there's a character in this book like me and I feel like that's so important and something that Rick really brings out in his later books. Yeah. Um, and I really want to read Madness Chase, especially because there's a gender-fluid character in there. Alex. Um, Alex, oh. yes. And I've never known how to pronounce their last name. It's one of those things I, I look at it Fiero? and I'm like, I thought it was Fiero, and I'm not sure. But... That's just wicked coming into my mind. He <laughs> <laughs> Me, me too. Um, and I really want to read it, not only because I know they're wonderful books, but because there's a new representation in each of the, each of the series. Um, Trials of Apollo, obviously, Solangelo goes into a little more depth, and there's so many more representations. Um, and LGBT is obviously very important to me. I've known since I was young that I was a part of the community, and it's so, it's so important to so many other people. Definitely. Um, and I, I've been trying to figure myself out for years, and I feel most comfortable with he, him pronouns, but I don't mind dressing in, in dresses or skirts ever so often, so I feel like I define myself as gender fluid, and it would be nice to for me to read about a character who's also gender fluid. Just, you see yourself in these characters, and it's a beautiful thing. Yeah, reading Magnus Chase for the first time, I, like, was just coming into the LGBT community, and it was, like, a real, like, wow moment. Like, there's a person who's LGBT in a book, like, 
this is amazing because it was just in that moment it's just wow there are people like us everywhere mm-hmm. and it's beautiful yeah um so getting back on the subject we were on which is amazing i love the way these conversations go but just backtracking a bit for AUs, um, are there any other AUs we can think of? Um, thinking of just one, I've seen this in multiple universes, like Marvel especially. Imagining that the whole series is just one big game of Dungeons and Dragons. Oh my gosh, that's crazy. <laughs> Yeah, like, as a Dungeons & Dragons player, I think that is, one, hilarious, and two, kind of freaky when you think <laughs> about it. Um, it's like, it's like that, that, I don't want to say it's a theory, but, like, wait, all of us humans are in a video game, like, we're Sims, and, like, there's this person in the outside world controlling us. <laughs> yes, it's just crazy to imagine that, like, this whole world that we're immersed in is just a bunch of kids just like us playing around <laughs> with some dice. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, I, I want to talk about something different. I mean, obviously I do. But <laughs> um, cosplay, I do want to touch on that. You've been cosplaying Percy Jackson for, what, f- four or five years? About, yeah, I'd say so. Uh, I remember, I I believe, I found your account through when I first got my Cat Noir cosplay. And I was looking for someone to collab with. And my editing skills back then, I, excuse my language, were shit. So, oh my god. But I still had fun doing it. Um, and that's how I met you. And I still didn't really know who you were, so we didn't talk. But then yeah. I rediscovered you through a web series that I'd been casted in as Percy Jackson, and you were casted as the Stoll Brothers, I'm pretty sure. Oh, yeah. I remember that. So, I remember... It feels like so long ago. Yeah, and they keep saying they're going to get back to it, but I've given up by now, because I was 15 when that started. That's a big oof. Yeah. And it's okay. Life happens. And... Yeah. Um... But that's how I, I remember, that's how I really, really discovered you, um, is, is mainly through Percy Jackson. It's kind of amazing how so many people meet each other and get connected through these book series. Like, my best friend in real life, we, I, honestly, I hated her. <laughs> I hated this girl. Until we were at one girl's birthday party, and we found out we both liked Percy Jackson, and we just spent the rest of the birthday party pointing to people and being, who would their godly parent be? And just guessing. (laughs) (laughs) And that's how I met my best friends. (laughs) Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, my best friends, I have some here. There's no one in my area, which is sad. A lot of people in my area don't like to read. So there are only two people in this area who love Percy Jackson and love to cosplay, and I barely get to see them. Uh, they have both graduated. Uh, one's f- kind of far in college. The other one um, I just don't get to see because I have high school. Um, and it, it's sad. So it, it's nice that the internet can connect so many people. And I met some of my best friends through the Percy Jackson fandom and cosplay. Yeah, honestly, it's kind of interesting how parents are only, parents and teachers, they're always pounding in your brain, don't talk to strangers on the internet, they could be dangerous. But then again, some of my best friends and the people I can talk to more than my actual family, I feel, are people on the internet that I've met through Percy Jackson and cosplay. Yeah, me too. And something amazing for me is you look up to so many cosplayers, 
through your cosplay career. And I look up to quite a few. And through doing this, I've become friends with people that uh, have like 10 times the amount of followers I do. But they're so humble and they're so wonderful. And I love that I get to bond with them over little things like Doctor Who or just different characters. Um, and it's, it's, it's a beautiful thing. Yeah, really. Like, it's not the follower count that defines who you are. It's how you talk to people. Yeah. And how you let people talk to you. Yeah. Um, and <laughs> so, I'm gonna, I was gonna bash Half Little Mino for a second. It's, it can be a rough space. Are you okay? Yeah, I'm laughing because I I was going to bash it, but it's mean, so I'm not going to. <laughs> I haven't been on Amino since forever because I had to delete the app to save space, but apparently I've heard some good things, I've heard some bad things, but <laughs> that's it's just the tea. Amino in general is a wonderful app. I mean, there's so many different chats and communities within the one app. and um, But it's interesting because you meet a variety of people. Uh, from really amazing people to really actual, like, stalkers. Um, oh my god. <laughs> so, yeah, you just gotta be careful. But something that I do love about Half-Blood Amino is they feature so many cosplays, and they feature so many beautiful pieces of art, and they just give appreciation to every type of character and every type of cosplayer, whether it be professionally photographed or just selfies, or even TikToks. Um, it's really nice. Yeah, just giving appreciation and just even if it's just the tiniest comment, it's just like, this is good. It just fills your heart with so much joy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I find it hard, though. Sometimes, I don't know if you find this difficult also. I know Jasmine does. Being in the Percy Jackson community, uh, I cosplay mainly Percy Jackson um, characters. Um, and I've, I've been getting away from Percy recently for the reason being that I was dubbed only as a Percy Jackson character, and I didn't want that. Um, I wanted to be a variety of different characters from different fandoms also. And I had an issue where every time I posted something from a different fandom or anything that wasn't Percy, uh, I lost followers, which I don't care about follower count. I care that the work I do, I feel good about. Um, and seeing that happen makes me feel bad about the content I produce. Yeah, I mean, it, for me, I have the same issue, especially on TikTok, but for me it's with Ladybug from Miraculous yeah. Ladybug. People are always asking for her, but I always just have to say to myself, these people are following me. It's whatever content I produce... That's what they're going to get. Yeah. And if they don't like it, bye-bye-bye. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So, um, overall, I mean, the Percy Jackson community, uh, not just Percy Jackson, I mean, it's dubbed the Percy Jackson community, but the Riot Inverse or the Riot Inverse, I'm not sure how that's correctly pronounced, but I pronounced Riot in since I was in fifth grade. So... I'm sorry if if no if anybody doesn't like the way I pronounce Rick's name. We'll just oh, call honey, him. I pronounced Hermione Hermione. <laughs> like I, we, we've been there. We've been there. We've all been there. Okay. Um. So I I mean it's the Riot inverse. Um. It's it's become something beautiful. And it just it just brings people together, and I think it's it's a it's wonderful uh, to have a place like that. It truly is beautiful to have a place where you can just say random things like "I'm a child of Hermes," and people will automatically get what you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> it's just so fun to have 
a group of people, even if you can't see their faces, to just know that they love what you're doing as a cosplayer, bringing characters to life, and they love what you're doing just being in the fandom. Mm-hmm. And it's just a big family. We have our spites, we have our hardships, but we also, at the end, we're all there for each other. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's very rare now where you find someone uh, that you don't get along with in the community. Um, We're all, I mean, you know, Jasmine said it was pretty bad back in the day. Especially if you shipped something that it wasn't, like, canon, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but it's very rare where you find that now, and it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's really nice to step back and see how far it's come. Let's see how far we've come. Oh, the Percy Jackson anthem right there. I don't know where it came from. It's like it just was pulled out of the abyss and just became the fandom anthem. I can tell you exactly where that came from, actually. Is on YouTube, there's Viria uh, tributes, and she used to make drawings with the lyrics to those to those songs on them. And someone compiled it together to create the one where it said it was to that song. Um, and people found it, and it became the anthem. <laughs> oh, wow! And the rest is history. <laughs> um, Viria is now, and has been for a while, the official artist for the Rick Riordan books. If you remember the old, old, old official fan arts, you deserve a veteran discount. (laughs) Uh, Me? I remember coming across those in the public library, and I was like, disgusting, what are these? Yes. Some of them were, were not that bad, I admit. Some of them were not that bad. But this new fan art, it's just like, mm, that's the good stuff. They're beautifully that's done. That's my Percy. Yeah, they're, they're beautiful, and she, she really showed how everyone views the characters and how they are supposed to be described. She's um, incredibly talented. Yeah. Um, and I'm very proud of it, just seeing, because I've been there since she kind of started drawing uh, Percy Jackson characters. Uh, just seeing how far she's come is amazing. Um, I mean, there, there's also these amazing, like, artists that I don't see much from them anymore. Like, I don't know if you remember Burge. Uh, they they were a big Percy Jackson artist back in the day. Uh, they also did some stuff from, like, Divergent and some from Maximum Ride also. Uh she was pretty big, I think, on Tumblr. Oh, I didn't get Tumblr until I was, like, much older and all the stuff, all this fandom was dead. <laughs> and then I deleted Tumblr, and then it's back. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> I never had Tumblr, so what I what I did when I was younger, when I was looking at fan art, <laughs> I would just go to Google, and obviously there's those little links at the bottom that say where they're from. And that's how I knew what Tumblr was and where they came from. Oh, yeah. Classic Google search. When I was a youngin'. Um, getting off topic of Percy Jackson here, I'm, well, kind kind of off topic. So, I'm in my senior year of high school right now, and I'm graduating this coming June, uh, four days after my birthday. And, no, two, two days. God, oh my god. Sorry. Um, You're getting so old. They grow up so fast. Um, I'll be a legal adult then, um, which is scary. But I have to I figure. Think, I have to figure out yeah. what cosplays I'm bringing to college with me. <laughs> I can give you some advice on moving to college and cosplaying. Because I just came to college. Like, in August, I started college. And what my... I asked my mom what I should do about cosplaying in college. 
And at first she was against it, but I told her, this is my life. This is my passion. And she got a big, a big storage box. That one that could like fit under your bed. And she told me, put your stuff in here. Whatever you can fit is what you take to college. I, I mean, so my follower base is obviously mostly Percy Jackson based. So I feel if I take the shirt and my beads and my most used wigs, that is most of the Percy Jackson characters covered. Exactly. So and you can fit all that in like less than a sixteenth of a big box. Yeah. So it, I'll, I'll obviously take those, but it's so interesting how how easy they are to cosplay, especially when you have a camp shirt. You can just switch out your wig and boom, you're, you're, you're set. <laughs> and never forget that not having to, that you can buy a camp shirt, but you can also make your own camp shirt, and both are valid. Yeah. Um, even but, if you don't have a camp shirt, um, that's totally fine. I, I can't, I mean, I recently recorded Annabeth for the web series, and I didn't use my camp shirt, um, and it's still pretty clear who I'm trying to portray. Like, if a demigod is wearing the same shirt for, or they have, like, a Steven Universe style, they have, like, 10 billion copies of the same shirt, (laughs) that's kind of weird. Yeah. They're just teenagers. They're not just half-bloods. Yeah. I mean, I just kept thinking, like, if they only wore one shirt all the time through their training and their quests, they'd smell pretty freaking bad. (laughs) Everything you need for a quest. Ambrosia, deodorant. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Grover Grover knows what's up. Gold drachmas, ambrosia squares, deodorant. (laughs) Um, He right, he right. Um, he knows what's up. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, my first Camp Haplon shirt, when, so I, my first cosplay was Jason, because I got a Camp Jupiter shirt for Christmas when I had, was just turning 14. So, Jason was my first cosplay, um, and then one day I was like, I want to cosplay Percy more than anything in the world. And so I made my camp shirt. I I had a long sleeve orange shirt. I chopped off the long sleeves, and I just drew. Yep. <laughs> and actually, I remember some a couple people asking me where I bought it, and I was so proud of myself. And I was like, I made it. <laughs> yes. Um, I think what's really cool is some big cosplay influencers have made their own style and brand of camp shirts to sell for a pretty good price. Yeah. Um, like, you can, some of them you can get for cheaper than you can on Amazon. And they're pretty great designs, in my opinion. Yeah, like, that. what's that one account that has, like, custom shirts for your cabin? Um, is that Architect of Olympus? I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure, and I think there's there's another account that she runs, I believe, but I know definitely search for your own cabin, because those designs, they're so cool. <laughs> um, like, I, I'm a child of Poseidon, and I found this cool, like, you know, there's military tags. Uh, I found, like, a cool military tag that said uh, Cabin 3 Poseidon on it. Uh, so I use that for Percy a lot. Oh, wow. Uh, Poseidon is my godly parent also, so I'm looking for Poseidon merch all the time. <laughs> I always define myself as a child of Hermes, or just plain unclaimed, because, like, people are always saying different things about me, but Hermes I just feel connected to. Mm-hmm. Either the fact that I'm not claimed and I'm in his cabin either way, or the fact that, like, hey, you are my dad. You're my dad. Boogie, boogie, boogie. <laughs> um, what Cinder's saying is she actually goes off and steals stuff on her free time. Hey, you can't, 
Tattletale. <laughs> um, yeah, um, we're coming up on an hour here, actually, so I think we should start wrapping it up pretty soon. Um, is there anything else, any AUs, anything else you want to mention before we wrap this up? Um, um, I just want to say that, like, getting into cosplay, it's just, all you have to do is take that first step, and then suddenly you're 